All right, how's everybody doing? Welcome to Thursday. Yes, Thursday, August 20th. Hopefully everybody's doing well. Of course, I'm Mike Jeffers, and you are watching Chicago Music Revealed, right here on Chicago Music Revealed. It's also all the past episodes are on chicagomusicrevealed.com, chicagojazz.com. You're also watching this on Blues in Chicago, Facebook, Blues in Chicago, and Chicago Jazz Magazine. Thanks to Craig Pyle for that great theme song. Always appreciate that. All right, we've got a great show today. We are moving around our schedules, as I mentioned last week. And uh, the good news is, is that today is Chicago Blues and Beyond Day. So we're going to have Dave Katzman as a co-host and a very special guest. Johnny Aguana is joining us. He's got a brand new release that is coming out tomorrow, August 21st, on Delmark. We're going to talk all about that. But before we get into that, of course, as I mentioned before, I'm Mike Jeffers, but also Chicago Music Reveal, Chicago Jazz Magazine, ChicagoJazz.com, and... The soon-to-be opening Epiphany Center for the Arts. I am the director of entertainment and programming there, and we are about to put tickets on sale and get everything rocking and rolling. And we actually have show announcements that we're going to do. Johnny Aguana is going to actually kick off our special once-a-month Friday Delmark night, which is going to happen in September, which we're going to talk about. And September 11th is our initial kickoff with Ivy Ford. She's going to be there for our first concert with live audience. Very COVID safe, very limited. And of course, we're going to have the live stream platform up and running. All of that is going to be announced next week. You'll be able to buy tickets. You'll be able to buy pay-per-views and get ready for the incredible uh, extravaganza that we're going to have over there on a nightly basis. But anyways, all the information at epiphanyshy.com, as I always say. And uh, I told you I was going to be able to announce something today. So that's good news. All right. Now. Without further ado, I've got to bring everybody on. So, Johnny, how are you? I'm glad you're joining us today. Dave Katzman is back. Hey, hey. And, uh, it's a pleasure. Hi, to have hi. Johnny, you and I have, have emailed and talked and uh, worked out how um, how we're going to have you actually kick off the Delmark Night at Epiphany Center for the Arts. So I'm excited about that. And Dave Katzman... Uh, he didn't even know, and he told me that he had uh, talked to you about coming on the show, and I'm like, well, look at that. And you have a brand-new release coming out on Delmark Records August 21st, which is tomorrow. And, of course, we're very good partners with Julia, Elbio, and the entire team over there at Delmark Records. So welcome to the show. Welcome to Chicago Music Revealed. And uh, how are you? I know that things are a little different these days because you're used to working constantly and playing constantly and traveling and doing festivals, but how are you making out during this wonderful pandemic we're going through you know i don't know if anybody knows we're gonna have to look back and answer that later you know it's just kind of like i feel like we're in either either uh you know the storm or the eye of the storm but um getting a lot getting i don't know somehow i'm extremely busy i just have a lot of writing work that's actually the work i usually do in the passenger seat in the touring van but i'm doing it in, in, of all places my office now um and then um i've been writing and recording like crazy so Hey, if I'm home and my piano's home, I, I got something. That's it's, a, not like, it's not like I'm bored at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's the one thing I've heard from a lot of musicians, especially the traveling musicians and the ones that hit all the festivals and all that, is that, yes, they would be out. They would be playing constantly. They'd be traveling and all that. But they're also kind of feeling like this is a nice little pause, not that they want to because obviously they're losing a lot of income, but they're able to catch up on things and actually – start to uh, kind of focus on a few things that they haven't had a chance to do and really think about. It sounds like that's kind of what you're able to do right now. I mean, I don't see any upside to it. I actually wrote a Claudette's song, my band, the Claudette's. Uh, I, I, I woke up with this idea about 
it seemed to me very neurotic Jew, which is which I'm okay to say because that that would describe me, I guess you could say. Um, a song called "I Wash My Hands of This of This Whole Situation." I just I wash. You know, you could you could see a disappointed father uh, talking about his young son's uh, the direction he's going in life. You know, I I wash my hands of this. You know, but but of course with the COVID era, you know, not constantly washing our hands. And I managed to get members of Fishbone and the DBs and a whole oh, bunch man. of great groups on this uh, video. Um, and you know, it's it's just all terrible. There's no, there's, I don't find it like relaxing or great that I have all this extra time. But I'm using that time. I'm, I'm not just like sleeping till two in the afternoon and walking around unshaven in a, day, in a daze. I mean, not quite yet. Um, but but I am. I mean, I've already recorded. The Claudettes have, have been writing, and we had already done so much writing that we've actually been recording. Um, and done quite a lot of that in COVID style. I recorded all my piano at home and then vocals were overdubbed. And and uh, I, of course, knew also that apart from the Claudettes, that um, I am glad I'd finished this uh, this album and that Delmark yeah. said they wanted to put it out because, uh, you know, we might not be touring right now, but this, this is a really uplifting, high energy. Um, also, it's not all that just a high energy record, but it's a really great document of, of, of these great Chicago blues artists that... Um, I feel that the sessions were so free and easy and relaxed, and it was almost like a reunion. You know, Dave, how it is when these blues players that haven't seen each other meet, suddenly meet in a lobby or an airport. It's just there's all hugs. You know, it's, it was, everyone was so pleased and happy and giddy almost because you know, we just went in and just recorded live. And, and uh, you know, people fixed a few things later, some vocals and stuff. But it just was just like I'd hoped it would be. The sessions were so great. And. A hundred-year-old Chicago piano I played on that just sounded wow. like I I hoped it would, and um, it's just uh, I mean I look at I'm looking right now at all the people on this album: John Primer, Billy Boy Arnold, Billy Flynn, Kenny Smith, Matthew Scholar, Little Ed. You know, it's pretty incredible to have gotten to do that Everyone and see the dumb stamp. <laughs> Say that again. Everyone we've had on the show except for Billy Boy and, and Matthew. We're gonna get them though. Well, I was gonna, yeah. I was gonna, I was gonna bring that up. I'm like Johnny, where have you been, man? We've had your entire, entire recording <laughs> on here, man. I'm, I'm glad you're finally on. <laughs> so, Dave, why don't you take the lead here and ask Johnny a few questions? Of course, the new recording, and I'm sure. gonna keep plugging this, but it's coming out on Delmark Records, Delmark.com, and of course, Facebook.com. Johnny Iguana, you get all the information at both of those. Chicago Spectacular. Johnny Iguana's spect Chicago Spectacular. So, Dave, take it away. Well, you know, uh, well, people don't know, but Johnny and I have been friends for a very long time. I don't remember what year I met you in the Junior Wells Band. What were the years you were playing with Junior? 94 to 96. So I probably met you in 94. Mm -hmm. you know, um, when you were, you were running things down at the old, le old buddies. Right, the real buddy guys legend. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> the, 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 the fun buddy guys. Legend. It's still fun, but different, different. Um, but I, I remember the years with Junior Wells. That, those were some amazing years, and the band was so phenomenal. Uh, and, you know, there were changing members pretty much all the time, but, you know, your time with them was a really good time in uh, the full horn section and everything like that. And Junior, uh, for the people in the audience who didn't ever get a chance to see Junior, Junior was an amazing showman, uh, an amazing human, uh, quite a character. Um, and uh, I know both between Johnny and I, we could probably go for hours about Junior Wells stories, but uh, well, that, that's a different show, <laughs> dedication to Junior. But you also did time with Otis Rush, too. And what was that like with Otis? I got to go on an East Coast tour with him. Um, and 
we we were on some great bills. We played on a, a bill with Carrie Bell, with whom I had just recorded that Good Luck Man album. So I saw a bunch of my friends from the Carrie Bell band. We shared the stage. It was check this out. It was Otis Rush, Carrie Bell, Little Milton, and Jimmy Vaughn. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. a good night. <laughs> well, that was like that was like you know some of these are like dreams I must have had where I was I was on one of those blues cruises. And it was Charles Brown, Gatemouth Brown, Irma Thomas, and Junior Wells, and John Primer. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I should have saved more posters. Yeah, well, you know, we lived through a time, uh, and I've said this before on the show, you know, us, at, we were the younger guys coming up in the second generation of Chicago blues. But the kind of artists we got to hang with and the situation just developed. We're amazing. And, you know, I know you've been privy to a lot of them. You've played with a lot of them. I mixed a lot of them. I played with a few of them. And uh, it was just a time that really, really was special. And I know you cutting your teeth with those guys gave you uh, a lot of room to grow, but, you know, also gave you a lot of history to work with, too. I mean, yeah. And I know a lot of those players had a past life that I didn't even know about because I was new to Chicago. I'm from the East Coast. So I came in here and, you know, when I saw Casey Jones, he was kind of carrying on on the front of the stage but then i'm like oh someone told me he was like a drummer for what albert king or something Albert collins he was a, one of the collins. original icebreakers yeah and yeah. then also what wasn't robert in a drummer yeah, too sure was and he drummed with every, he was oh like, yeah see i just knew these guys as like with the mic in their hand at the front of the stage so i came in and, and these guys already had such long stories here and they were just new to me right well there were a few guys also mighty joe young did that although mighty joe did it unfortunately because he had uh a torn rotor cuff that uh, didn't allow him to play guitar anymore. But yeah. uh, Mighty Joe Young in his day when he was a guitar player was, you know, a uh, force to be dealt with. He really was, uh, along with all the other guys, Otis and, you know, Luther and all those guys all hung out together and inevitably would jump up on stage together. Th those kind of magic moments happened a lot at Legends, happened a lot at Wise Fools and stuff. Yeah. You can't, you had a you had a good run with that, that time period. Too. Yeah, that was it was exciting to go to be 23 and going from club to club and and knowing everyone that worked there and you and you can go I remember you go to a club and Otis Rush is just hanging out. There was a time I was seeing Otis I was seeing no, I was seeing Magic Slim and I went home and then I heard the next day that after I left Robert Plant came over to the show. Yeah. And right. that was that was that was blues etc. Right. You know? Right. Yeah, uh, th th there was there was it was really nice. I mean, I'm, I think everybody's looking forward to a return to that. And we're all going to appreciate each other a lot when we see each other at clubs. And 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 we didn't you know, I had a friend who once coined a term about the price, the price of Belgian beer, uh, how it was going up so much. And he said, man, we were living in a golden age and didn't even know it. You know, right. when, when Belgian beer doubled in price and you could <laughs> say the same thing about just hanging out at all these clubs, all these people. Now it's just they're all ghost, ghost towns. It's really weird. And I don't like it one bit. Yeah, well, I'm with you there. I mean, you get set, you know, we all gear our summer to a certain amount of moving around and there, you know, a certain list of festivals that we all show up at and stuff. It's like, you know, all dressed up and no place to go. What We can't do anything, you know, and, and not even see our friends, you know, and it, it's been taxed. Of course, it's with everybody. It's not just our, our business, but uh, God, I hope it ends soon. I really, you know, it's just too, too much. It, it really is. Um, yeah, even apart from practical concerns, it's just like, it's like we have broken little hearts. You know, yeah. we, we want to be having good times. You only get one life. You want to have good times together. Yeah. You know, uh, 
yeah, we could lament on that for quite a while, but uh, too much good music to talk about. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your new album. I mean, where did you record that? Was that recorded in Chicago? Absolutely. Um, so Larry Scholar, who's a good friend, you know, Matthew's brother, who's Larry's a great guitar player. He's been living in Cognac for years, um, but he played in Chicago for years. And Larry has has produced a handful of records, maybe something like five records, and like four of them have been Grammy nominated. He's like, he's he's and uh, he's just really has good concepts. He's basically created the bands that he then recorded for a, a Grammy nomination. So he not only produced albums, but he conceived of the groups, which are Chicago Blues, A Living History, Muddy Waters 100 Band, and then and also Heritage Blues Orchestra. And I, I got to play in those first two. So I got to, you know, travel and hang with Larry a lot. And so Larry actually had suggested the album. I, I was just kind of kvetching about not being on a certain festival I wanted to be on with the Claudettes. And he, he said, we're going to, I'm going to produce, some, you're going to record a blues, your own blues album. He knows I've been on like 30 blues albums or something, but he said, I want you to record your own one. I'm going to produce it. And it was very hard to argue. So um, we conceived it right away as really a tribute to the, to the great Chicago piano uh, masters of, from like the Brunzi era up through Span. And, um, and so we, we selected tracks that had, that had um, Johnny Jones and, and, and Sunnyland and, um, and, and Span and, um, and, and Joshua Alzheimer who played with, uh, with, with Brunzi, um, uh, Big Moose Walker. So, you know, we just found tracks that, that where they had played and then we thought about who would sing this great out of everyone we know in Chicago and who we'd play it with great. We had a few concepts, including for these vocal tunes. I didn't want bass guitar because I wanted to invoke to evoke the spirit that I, to, that I feel this feeling when I hear old Sonny Boy Williams in the first records where they're kind of punky and greasy and 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 there's not like a swingy bass going on or a funky bass going on in those older records. The bass frequency is kind of missing. Maybe some of them have bass or like the little Walter ones. There's two guitars and drums, but there's no bass. I didn't really want on this uh, anything beyond the piano bass. So that was my idea. I just feel like too many blues records have very segmented. Here's the bass. Here's the guitar solo. Here's the piano solo. Here's the you know everything's all split up and segmented. I'm like we're gonna get in a room almost Dixieland style. We're gonna play and when there's a solo section. Let's all play like guitar and piano. will both play. Listen to each other. Like it's like we're we're both playing. If there's harmonica and piano, we're both gonna play. We don't call it a solo. It's like after these verses, then we both play here like that and really listen. So those were my concepts. No bass on the vocal tunes and and no dedicated solos where you see the fader coming up because they're on a solo and it comes back down. We wanted to have it be almost a live kind of a feeling that way, even though we did it in the confines of a studio, which was Shirk Studios, which used to be called B-Side Audio. It's on Ashland between Chicago and Augusta. Um, so it's just a block and a half north of Chicago or so, I mean, of, uh, of Chicago Avenue. And like like a lot of good studios, you would never know it's there because they don't want people knowing that there's all that great equipment in there, you know, and <laughs> right around there. So it just looks very unassuming brick building. But he's got a hundred year old, as of the year we recorded, a hundred year old, um, uh, a cable piano company upright it was made in chicago and it was sitting in his corner he's got a yamaha grand that he uses for most things but i i had gone over to it a few times i'm like god this piano someone must make a blues record on it it just sounds like you know, like those records back then didn't have steinways on them mm -hmm. you know all all that, is, that is the sound it is a very different sound and otis span can flit around like that so effortlessly on an upright but on a grand you get tired it's a different action and it's right. really hard to play that way. I mean, 
classical they do, but they're not pounding. They're like, you know, like a hummingbird. They're wonderfully, you know, elegant, but um, <laughs> butterfly. But but on that, when you're going to pound like that on, on an upright, it's got to have that action and, and that sound. And so that was really a, a part of the reason I settled on that studio. But also Steve Shirk, who runs it, has a great energy. It's always very... Um, very positive in there. There's never, I've never felt pressured. And sometimes that can have to do with the humans in the space as much as the time schedule or other considerations, you know, the engineer. Sure. And Larry sure. came in from France. We just, uh, we had very little rehearsal. We just, everyone knew what songs they were going to be on. And then uh, he also suggested doing, using Bill Dickens. You, you've met Bill. Bill plays regularly. Oh, Bill. Carlos Johnson, yeah. Leo Nocentelli's bass player. He's the, the guy. He's, you he's know, got Bill, don't you, Mike? Oh yeah, yeah. No, I've I've met, I've met Bill. Yeah, I've met Bill at the festivals and stuff like that. You know, so. Well, he's got he's got some videos on YouTube of him playing where there's like five hundred thousand views just of him playing bass. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> like a a bass nerd god. You know, and yep. and he's a very sweet human being. And uh, so Michael Kasky and I got together with him in my basement, and he, he those two didn't know each other, but it got really good really fast for the instrumentals because. We wanted to go, I kind of think like an Emerson, Lake and Palmer thing, like each person on these instrumentals has to be really exciting and really, you know, really like uh, have their own voice. And, and it's like, so it's bluesy, but it's, you know, it, it's, it, there's a lot going on. It's kind of a lot of fireworks. So those instrumentals with Michael and I and Bill, we, we had, had to get a, take a bunch of takes to, re, to really nail yeah. it and get the one. And they're really good. They're well, really and, cool. And, and, you, know, John, you know, and, John, and Johnny, you know, you, you play with Michael a lot. And you guys actually do it without a bass player. So what's the difference? Like all of a sudden you add a bass into the mix because I know that you guys play without a bass player. I mean, does are you even thinking, do you have to change the way you're playing? Because obviously, you know, when you're not playing with a bass player, you can get way down on the low end pretty easily. So what was that like? Well, um, with within the Claudettes, uh, Zach Verdorn plays bass guitar and he plays a, the bass six, which is kind of like a baritone guitar. Okay. And, and, um, and he uses the bass six on that, he can go down low and play low notes, or he can go up high and use a slide and play more like a guitar. It's almost like having a double neck, you know, guitar and bass. Um, and then he plays some bass. So we, we, I've been playing with a bass player a fair amount, but yeah, the Claudettes started off with two records of just piano and drums. Yeah. And part of it is, you know, some bass players in Chicago don't want to play with me because I'm so active down in the low end. <laughs> and uh, and and I've seen I've even seen memes on Facebook about you know about piano players who uh, who play too much on the bass. But a lot of those great blues recordings, you know, you're not telling Span not to play his left hand, you know, like, you know, like that. there's a sound, a grit to that low end on the yeah. piano that if you can work it out with the right arrangement with bass, it's a great, it's a wonderful thing. There's different kinds of low end. I mean, Dave, you know, there's like sure. subby bass and then there's that bass of the piano that doesn't have anything in those sub frequencies, but it's no. in that range. You know? Well, you brought up something earlier that's interesting in early blues before the Fender bass was made which came in in 1953, a lot of bands had two guitar players and one of the guitar players would tune down. But again, it would be more in the baritone range than it would be in the true bass range. because And that's when the left hand of the piano player was holding down the bottom. Yeah. So that structure and that whole texture of early blues, the construct of the bass section was really a, a whole different animal. And that's why people like Otis Rush and Sonny Land had and Pine even, you know, in his own right, had uh, such a strong left hand presence. And, you know, it, it just it, it was the roots of blues piano. I mean, it truly was, you know, after the whole Scott Joplin early stuff and, you know, that stuff, which was all ragtime. But uh, 
you know, the real Chicago blues, they didn't have a bass till 1953, you know? Not yeah. And it was really great to get to do these recordings with Billy Boy Arnold. You know, I've recorded with him on a couple albums and he's called me on the phone to tell me he wants to record again soon and have Billy Flynn and I and Kenny play with him. And he was already talking. He's like mailed me cassettes and burned CD ROMs <laughs> of Sunny Boy sessions and things like that. He's just like, he's the best. Oh and, my God. Um, and he, this, this song that he had introduced me to, You're an Old Lady, it's a, that's a Sonny Boy Williamson song, he nailed that in two takes. So here he comes in the, in the booth at 84 years old, and uh, he's playing harp and singing, and he did it in two takes. We, we used wow. this take two. That was it. We're ready to go on. And, and such a gentle guy. I mean, such a wonderful guy. And yeah, so, and and, and he, you know, they really do need to. They really do need to write a book with him because you, if you drive around Chicago land with him, he points and says that's where this recording studio was. That's where you know these sessions were made there. He just knows it all, and like no one else knows. Or I'm sure there's a couple people maybe that have that kind of archival knowledge of Chicago music and recording history. But and you know, Billy Billy says tells you so much that maybe some of it is taken with a grain of salt. You know, there's, he's just got so many, so many facts that, you know, some of them might be fanciful, but, uh, but it's great to listen to and he's great to travel with and he's really funny. And uh, it was really, and when he does the last track on this, I had found this song called Hot Dog Mama, that uh, this uh, uh, Brunzi song, and he didn't know it, but he loved it too. And I wanted a really simple thing where it's just, Kenny is stomping this bass drum. And, um, and and as Billy Flynn, you know, Billy Flynn and I do that kind of Lockwood span thing on it. And Billy Boy doesn't have, doesn't play harp; he just sings on it, and it's so good and it's so deep. And I, I knew that was the last track when I heard it. <laughs> well, hey, I, I should jump in here so the the people that are watching this they know because I got to get all the plugs in here. Of course, we're interviewing Johnny Iguana because he's got a brand new release coming out tomorrow on Delmark, and it is called, of course, Johnny Iguana's Chicago Spectacular, and. And I can tell, I, I you tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm, I think I'm right because I've read the Claudette's website and I've seen your website, johnnyiguana.com. I think you I think you wrote uh, a grand and upright celebration of the Chicago blues piano. <laughs> I, I love that. I was like, oh man, that that is stuff, that that's like perfect. That's great writing right there. So that was you, I would assume, correct? I had to come back a couple of times until I found the, the right subhead there. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so, so I got a question because I'm always curious, especially when I'm interviewing different musicians about how, you know, that with a band and then you have all these special guests and all these different artists on the recording. I mean, you, you, you had to have 200 people you probably wanted to put on this recording. I mean, how did you whittle it down and how did you decide on the different musicians to be on this recording? And how did you decide like the repertoire for it? Because you could have picked from hundreds of tracks, obviously, when you start adding in John Primer, Billy Flynn, Billy Boy Arnold. I mean, what was the process like? Because it just sounds monumental to kind of get it organized down to something that you could put out in a you know 10 12 15 tracks well we all have feelings and and you know i've had many times where i wish certain blues artists would have picked me to play piano on their record or at their show and or on their tour you know see someone's taking someone to a tour in france i'm like they should have taken me i want to go to france and i want to play that music <laughs> but uh so you know from the beginning i i you know you, you realize that by not selecting people for a certain uh, album it's going to feel like they didn't make the cut or something you know like you're a kid and looking at the softball team on the paper on the wall you know with yeah. baseball team and it wasn't like that i mean there's so many people i would love to record on their record or mine but in this case larry and i came up with songs that we thought were really good piano songs 
Um, and in some cases, we knew that once we did that, we knew who we, who we thought would be the best to sing this. Um, then we thought of another song that that person, as long as they're in the studio, would be great to sing, would be great singing too. So, I mean, pretty early on, I mean, I've, you know, Billy, uh, Larry and I, Larry Spiller and I are both big John Primer fans. I feel like he's not just such a, uh, as he would say, the real deal as far as, you know, guitar player and stuff, but he's just, he could just be a singer and be one of the best. He's, I think he's like got the, the best Muddy Waters sound that's authentic. Uh, and not, I mean, he learned it obviously on the job, but, but he, but he, it's not, there's nothing imitative about it. He just, he, he just is himself and sort of has that. So he, when he does Muddy, nobody else can do Muddy like yeah. he does Muddy when he sings. Yeah. And, and of course, these aren't uh, these aren't songs associated with Muddy that we chose, but but I've just gotten to work with him uh, enough that, and he still amazed me. I mean, he he comes in there and does 44 at the I top know. at the top of his range, and he's <laughs> belting it out. And and I think Larry and I were just kind of looking at each other, and we're like, damn, <laughs> even better than we'd hoped. We're like, we're geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing about John and also Billy Flynn, you put the two of them together. And their knowledge of blues songs is Forget so it. immense. Those two guys can never run out of songs on a set. You know, they have so many songs in their mind. It's amazing. I mean, I've, I've sat in with John and he's pulled out things that he never plays, you know, uh, like an obscure Howlin' Wolf tune or, or, you know, something like that, that just he nails it. You know, and Billy Flynn is exactly the same. I mean, the two of them. And to have both of them on your album... Is yeah. great. I mean, I'll, you got two of the best historian, guitar historians. There. Yeah, and that's probably why there wasn't it wasn't necessary to um, to really direct too much because oh. they, I think I was able to show them what I was going to play and that they understood the rhythmic engine of the song and then they was just like hit record. I got this, you know. <laughs> and um, they do. <laughs> yeah, um, but I'm not. You know, I'm not really like as much of a um, encyclopedic archivist, uh, like as far as you're right, Billy Flynn on a certain tune, he'll know the four different guitar players who over the years have recorded parts on that song and be able to choose which one would he do. And obviously, he's his own person and will maybe do a hybrid or something, yeah. but he'll have all that at his disposal. I sort of, you know, I've been playing in blues and punk bands since I was 16, and I've also played a lot of classical, and so. Um, I haven't, and I was on the East Coast. I only got here when I was well into my 20s in the Midwest and stuff. So I don't have that that kind of encyclopedia knowledge that he does. And even 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 Kenny, growing up around his his oh, dad yeah. and all those people, like you better believe he's gonna, without any discussion, have every way you can go with a particular tune in terms of a beat and a style and brushes or sticks or whatever yeah. it is. He's gonna have all that in, in uh, you know in his mind that he'll he'll select from. All right, so so before we wrap this up, because this has been great, of course, you're watching Chicago Music Revealed, and this is, of course, our Chicago Blues and Beyond, the former Friday session, which is now on Thursdays, and, of course, our co-host here, Dave Katzman, is uh, world-renowned everything in blues, I guess we could say. Right? <laughs> Okay, I'll buy that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you play, you produce, you put festivals together and everything else. But we're still, we're, we're talking with Johnny Iguana. Of course, his brand new release is coming out tomorrow on Delmark Records, delmark.com. And I know Julia Miller has hit us up in a comment. So there's a link down below. So we want to send everybody over there to get the pre-orders happening and, of course, order it tomorrow. And, of course, facebook.com, Johnny Iguana for all the updates. And 
as well as johnnyiguana.com. And the name of the recording, I should say, is Chicago Spectacular. And, of course, the subtitle, A Grand and Upright Celebration of Chicago Blues Piano. Now, before we let you go, you've mentioned it a couple of times, the Claudettes. So let's talk about the Claudettes. Now, talk a little bit about what the Claudettes are. And, and for everybody that uh, you guys should all go over, I think it's Claudettes.com, right? The Claudettes.com, Johnny? Yeah. With the the yeah the, the Claudettes yeah and yeah. and the 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 writing over there is 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 wonderful so it, go through the the different stories and the different like news and things like that because I was reading up on it and and it like you know you it sucks you in so we talked a little bit before we came on Aaron he's he used to be a writer for some prolific magazines so you can tell that he's got some good uh, good content that's over there so I, I enjoyed reading just the website and then the music was awesome so I mean there you there you have it so talk a little bit about the Claudettes what are the Claudettes and how did you start the Claudettes well I started it off intending it to be kind of a blues piano project I mean I wanted to just um, I, I was always really in inspired by those. You, you guys know those Chicago the Blues Today compilations. Yeah. Those ones. And one of them has a, a, a segment that's just Otis Spann and S.P. Leary. That's all it is. Part instrumentals and part um, part Spann vocals. And um, and they just are so great to listen to, just the two of them. I was like, I want to make a recording. It's As a challenge to myself, I want to make a recording and be able to do a show that that's all it is, piano and drums. And to make it even more of a challenge, since since I'm not even going to try to sing like Span, um, <laughs> it's going to be instrumental. And I knew that it, that I'm not Oscar Peterson, so it's not going to be a virtuoso showcase. It's going to be really about um, feel and heart and compositions. I mean, the the, the compositions that we did because it was it was 90% original compositions from the beginning, and they're bluesy. But to me, it's it's in the Raymond Scott camp of like kind of gonzo burlesque blues with a little bit of a cartoonish quality. Hmm. So that's how it sort of started off with, with, with and it was a, always a little bit of slapback echo on it that gave it a little bit of a trippy feel. So I feel like it's a little bit, a little um, kind of, um, you know, a little tin, tin Pan Alley classics, you know, like throwback sound, but with like a little bit something different. And obviously the kind of all the punk and stuff that I played it, it can't help but have a little of that and yeah. just my own sense of humor in it. But over time it evolved and, and the group on the last two records has, has uh, Barrett Altseth singing. She's an incredible singer who I found here in Chicago, wasn't uh, occupied as much as she could be playing music. And, and so she had time and it's just, people are amazed that, that like I was able to like, that she's able to go on the road and stuff with us because you think she'd be nonstop singing with different artists and stuff. But she, she, uh, she you know, gone on 25 day West Coast tours with us. It's pretty amazing. Wow. And that kind of stuff right now is feeling like ancient history who will hopefully be back soon. But um, so the band, you know, still has, we do some instrumentals live, but it's really become much more song oriented. Um, comp is, everything's composed. There's, improv there's improv improv improvisation in certain sections and it's still rooted in blues, but there's like a jazz and soul and kind of a punk and rockabilly energy to it. And the last two albums were produced by Mark Neal, who produced the Black Keys biggest brother uh, album called Brothers. And then Ted Hutt produced this new one that just came out April 3rd on 40 Below Records. Ted Hutt produced the most recent Violent Femmes. He's produced... Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Dropkick Murphys yeah. and Flogging Molly and <laughs> Gaslight Anthem and a lot of great bands. And he's English, but he's been living in L.A. for a lot of years. And he came out to Chicago when we recorded. And uh, I think that record's really outstanding. It's still a new record. It's just a few months old. And we were to be in Europe twice this year and sh festivals and shows all over the country. So 
Now we've just changed that last zero to a one and hoping we don't have to change it to a two like everybody else. Yeah, I know, right? Fingers <laughs> crossed. But, you know, it's it's interesting because, you know, we've talked a lot about the blues stuff and everything and, and listening to the Claudettes. I, I love the music, obviously, and there's such a mixture. And with your whole background of all the different genres that you've played in and performed in, I mean, did you really think when you were starting this band that it would have because I could see how the it's widely a, appealing to every, you know, all different genres, a lot of casual music fans. That's why the festivals probably just love having you because you just appeal to everybody in the energy level and all that stuff. Do you have any inkling that this uh, the Claudettes would be something that would be like, whoa, man, this is like pretty popular here? Well, it's really a, a hard way to go because you just said it. We don't fit into one genre, yeah, and that actually right. makes it really difficult. Yeah. And, you know, we got into some blues festivals and some kind of roots festivals, but but the Claudettes are in sort of the same pickle that I'm very often in, which is it's uh, it's a which, like check which of these five things you are. And I always have to pick something that breaks my heart because it's not, it's not a true descriptor. Yeah. You know, I have to, we have to choose, I guess, roots rock. And God forbid we'd be called blues rock because there's a lot of things called blues rock that I don't like. You know, and there's also, you know, the music is kind of punky, but it's got pop like melodic qualities, but it certainly isn't pop punk. Right. You know, like there's right. just endlessly I can check more boxes in the no column than I can in the yes of what is this? And that makes it hard to hard to market and hard to algorithmatize or whatever you'd yeah, say, you know, because yeah. Spotify and stuff, they make you choose from certain things. And it's kind of heartbreaking every time and it makes you feel like I'm just not doing it right. I got to pick one thing and call it that and do that. But right. so it's it's not as, you know. I, I wish I wish everything I did was more successful. We all do, uh, but but um, it's really our, the Claudettes is an artistic band. Everyone is in there for the expression, for the composition, for the good times we have together, and no one's expecting that to become an arena band. It's still ultimately a pretty weird group for a lot of people because it is. It's sort of like it's got the old Amer old American music of blues and jazz in it, and then inching toward more modern music with like soul and kind of rockabilly energy. But it's also got that indie rock and punk thing and and it sounds like itself. I feel sometimes like we're the doors when they first had arrived if the yep. doors weren't in an open minded period of time. That's a, good, that's a great way. To, that's a great way to say it, because, you know, my big thing on the on the show, too. And I, I haven't even thought of the doors, but you're right, because if they if the doors would have come out now, nobody could have classified them. They would have been like, what is this? We have no idea where to put these people. But, you know, nowadays, because of the way the radio stations are going, they're really, I mean, you know, radio play is, to me, it's non-existent because it, it, everybody's listening to Spotify or streaming or whatever. I mean, there are the stations, but really they're playing the artists more than a genre, I think. And so, and I think that's the direction for the future. So it's it's one of those things that I think a lot of these different platforms are going to have to adjust because, you know, I mean, just thinking about the Claudettes or, or yourself, Johnny Iguana, I mean, there's so many different genres that are mixed in just because of the influences that all of these different artists have had over the years. And really, that's your sound. So you can't pigeonhole things anymore. You know, maybe back in the 50s, it was like, that's rock and roll, that's rockabilly, that's jazz. But now... There's so many genres that influence everybody. Really, it's the Johnny Iguana sound. It's the Claudette sound. It's the Dave Katzman sound. And those are the artists. So I, I feel like there's going to be a shift at some point. Maybe it's starting now with all the streaming stuff. But, you know, what are your thoughts? Because, I mean, you travel all over the place. You've got to probably think somewhat of the same thing. I mean, how can you pigeonhole things anymore? I don't know. I mean, yeah, algorithms are, are they just make me want to tuck myself in and go to bed. <laughs> you know, they're, they're <laughs> well, yeah. so <laughs> and uh, it's disappointing to have to make those choices. But that's part of the reason Larry said we're going to make this record. That's the, it's partly too wanting the people in the whole extended blues community yeah. to 
to not only um, know me, but to know the Claudettes via this as part of it, because I think they would like it. And a lot of great blues DJs across the country uh, that I've gotten to really know are just like wild about this music. And they recognize it as something earthy, rootsy, American and old and old soul kind of music, even if it has kind of a fresh sort of sound to it. But 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 not but we were going to make a blues album here. And, and but Larry wanted me to put my personality and my, my musical personality, especially into it, which is why we decided to have the instrumentals here, which are Claudette's instrumentals, but newly done in a kind of, you know, uh, you know, wild ride kind of a way here where we, we, we really amped them up and and, and Bill Britt brought what he does on bass as like a lead part of it. Oh, yeah. uh, so that's what we decided to do. It's a blues record. That one's filed under blues, period. That was not confusing <laughs> as much as the Claudette's. But 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 it's still not. I'm still not going to just all you know all the time, Dave. I'm saying, Muddy Waters didn't try to sound like Sun House. Junior and Buddy didn't try to sound like Muddy. And um, it's too bad that so many people try to imitate um, older artists that that have come and gone when they should absorb something. Like be yourself all the way. That's what was so great about Junior as a performer, as a personality, and as a as an artist. And uh, a lot of blues musicians, uh, you know, I feel like. They want to play their best, but but they're maybe a little afraid to let their freak flag freak flag fly, as we'd say, and really yeah. be themselves. And you know, Junior was letting his freak flag fly; he couldn't help it. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Yeah. So, you're so absolutely right. You know, there's a strange uh, kind of conflict here, though, in the time we are, with all the information of music so easily accessed. You know, you'd think that people would be more open to bands like the Claudettes or the Subdudes or, or you know, in a blues world, even, uh, you know, Warren Haynes is not a straight blues guy, but he's a, a blues guy, you know. And and there's always this pushback in, in defining genres. And unfortunately, the people that package and put all the music out there feel a need to to totally compartmentalize. Uh, compartmentalize a style and those days are gone the information is so wide so widely shared so integrated that it's impossible really to do it and and bands like the Claudettes are at the forefront of their inability to describe it unfortunately yeah Yeah. but you know there has to be some sort of way to find them being able to put it forward I don't know if they're capable of it yet well, this, this is why I think Delmark was was one of a couple of reasons why I was so excited to have this record have the Delmark stamp on it, because, you know, you think of blues when you think of Delmark, but not that's not all they've done right. for all the years. And so it's sort of blues and more. And everything I feel like I do is sort of blues and more. So that felt like a natural fit there. In addition to when, when I get my vinyl copy of Johnny Aguada's Chicago Spectacular, and put it on my shelf next to my signed copy of Hoodoo Man Blues, my copy of Black Magic. I'm going to be pretty proud and happy about that. Yeah, I would be too. <laughs> Congratulations on that. Yeah. <laughs> that's All right, well, good, hey. Uh, good company. That's right. Right. Well, well, hey, Dave, why, I, we, geez, we've ever been talking for like 45 minutes. So let's uh, wrap this up. Do you got anything else for Johnny? And uh, we can sign no, sign no. this show off I here. I think covered it, covered it all. I really appreciate you coming on board for the show. It's yeah. been a great show. I can talk. <laughs> well it's been a pleasure and by the way i should tell everybody you are going to actually be performing for a delmark 
music night over at the Epiphany Center for the Arts on September 18th. So we're going to announce all of that next week, but that's going to be exciting. So we're going to be able to actually see you live and in person in a very, very small, intimate, COVID-safe space. So I'm looking forward to that, and that'll be fun. And, of course, we're going to live stream it. We're going to talk all about that as we get a little closer. But, Johnny, thanks so much for being on. It's great to virtually meet you. I know we've talked on the phone. Now we're virtually connected by Skype. And the next step is actually to look at each other in person, six feet away with hand sanitizer and a mask. And then we know yeah. that we So now we know we look like under the mask. That's right. We need, to get the, we need to get those masks that have a scan of your face on them over the mask so they'll recognize you. Right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, I, you know, I wanted to say, too, that on August 28th, I'm doing a live stream at noon on WDCB. Oh, that's cool. a It's a piano forte concert. Oh, that's right. So, okay, great. Yeah, so I'm doing that. That's going to be solo piano at 12 noon with Leslie Karras there. And then, um, so, but then when I'm playing the Epiphany one, that's going to be with Michael Caskey with drums. So yep. that's going to be a lot more rollicking. That's going to be a little more, have a little more uh, of, a, of, a, of a locomotive effect. Yeah. But the, it'll be all elegant like on the solo piano and piano forte and then uh, rock and roll it. it well, and, it and piano forte, you're probably going to play on one of the Fazioli's that Thomas has over there. So I cannot wait to hear your music on a Fazioli at the piano forte session. This is yeah. going to be good. I'll try not to spill anything on it. <laughs> yeah, please don't. <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, thanks again, Johnny. It's been great, man. I appreciate you being on and congratulations on the new recording coming out tomorrow on Delmark records. Johnny Iguana's Chicago Spectacular. So thanks again, and we will see you on your live stream in August, and we'll see you over at the Epiphany Center in September. Thank you. Thanks. All right. All right. I think I think we uh, – uh-oh, I lost Dave Katzman. See, I knew I was going to do that. I knew that was going to happen. Let me let me see if I can reconnect with Dave. Stand by. You know, I, 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 got, I got too excited about the uh, – about it let me give him a quick call back we'll see if we can reconnect with dave it's johnny iguana i'll tell you first of all you should you should check out the recording you should, if you don't know johnny sorry about that dave i i, I was right out of business here. and i know you've got one more one more piece of uh news here to uh talk a little bit about the uh the delmark records or something you've got something coming oh, i lost him again what happened to dave uh-oh all right, stand by. Let me let me try him one more time. You know, that's why everybody tunes into this show is to watch Mike Jeffers work technology at its finest. So we might have to we might have to uh, close this out without Dave. I don't know what just happened. So let's let's see. We're going to try to reconnect one last time. And if we can't do it, we will uh, close out the show and we will definitely have Dave back on for the next the next one. Now he's calling back in. Let's see if he's coming up here. He's call, he's calling back in. He's trying desperately to get back on the show. So we're gonna we're gonna try to do this. But unfortunately, I think my my Skype is running a little slow. But anyways, visit Delmark.com. You you want to uh, check that out? And I'm gonna try to call Dave back here. So standing by here with Dave, and uh, we'll see what happens here. Okay, let me try him one more time. Ah. <sighs> Fun with technology. But I will tell you this. You want to check out Johnny Iguana's new release. And uh, we are looking forward to having everybody over here at Epiphany Center for the Arts on September 18th. Now, Dave, if you are there, yeah. I'm going to try to bring you on. And there you are. All right. Don't touch anything because you're, you're, you're there and you froze up again, Dave. 
All right, we're, we keep losing him, unfortunately. I think we might have to, we might have to unconnect with, unconnect with Mr. Katzman. All right, I'm going to close the show out because I don't know what's going on. But hey, nobody wants to see everybody Can sit around me? here and mess around with Mike Jeffers' technology. Is he back? Is that Dave there? Well, if you can hear me, I just want to announce Dave Spector is having his video release on YouTube at noon tomorrow. Oh, good. Okay. I can see you. I got your back. You froze up for a minute, but you're back. So, okay. excellent. All right. Well, so yes. Delmark is releasing uh, Dave Spector's new video on YouTube tomorrow at noon. So, please, everybody, tune in. Oh, awesome. All right. Great. Good. I'm glad, I'm glad you got back on to tell everybody about that. That's good. Uh, we love yep. Dave Spector. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I got think I'm done for the day. It's been a great show, Mike. I know. we. Oh, it was a great show. Thanks again to Johnny. Thanks again to you. And I'm going to close this out while we're on because I don't know what's going to happen technology wise. And I don't want to I don't want to mess around anymore. So until next week, everybody stick around on the channels and we will announce who our guest artist is going to be next week. We've got shows on Monday, Wednesday and Thursday, if I'm remembering. But I know we got Blues Thursday coming up next Thursday. So we will announce everything coming up. Again, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Please like, please share, please hit us all up on the Facebook, on Instagram, and everywhere else. And until next week, Dave and I will see you on the next broadcast.